One, two, three, four. Screen time! Screen time! Screen time! Screen time! Screen time! Screen time! Hello and welcome to It's My Screen Time 2, the podcast where two moms are just glad they didn't major in elementary or early childhood education. I'm Deborah. And I'm Katie. <laughs> and I have a eight-year-old named Tony and twin five-year-olds named Libby and Nate. And I have a two-and-a-half-year-old named Jay. But seriously, do you think it would make it easier? Uh, if you had a background in early childhood education? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think they're good moms, for sure. Or good dads. <laughs> you know, men major in those subjects also. Much love <laughs> to all preschool teachers everywhere. Yes, yes. You have our undying respect <laughs> and bafflement as to how you do it and maintain your yeah, sanity. totally. <laughs> have your kids done anything particularly adorable this week? Um, this week, so it's been a really long time since I was five. Five is a tough age. <laughs> so no. I'm like, in my head, I'm trying to have sympathy for these kids because I really think they're similar to like my 22-year-old self, like right out of college self. Like, remember how... It feels to be like an adult and you have a college degree and a job, but like your childhood and young adulthood are not that far away. And yet you can see people who are like just a couple years older who have like an apartment and sleep in a room by themselves that's a legal bedroom, you know, <laughs> or like yes, yes. they're married or they have like a car that reliably starts that their parents aren't paying the insurance for. You know, and like you or an office. You can see yeah. it yeah, like maybe they're done with grad school or maybe they're a few years into their career and so they have like some actual responsibility and legitimacy that you just don't when you're twenty two, but you can see all the things that you feel that you should have or should be doing. And I think it's like that for five-year-olds. Like, they know they're not babies or toddlers anymore, and they can see what big kids get to do, but they're just not ready yet. They just haven't paid their dues, and I'm trying to be... I'm, <laughs> I remember what it was like to be 22. It was hard. I'm trying to have some empathy for their situation. See, all I'm hearing as you're saying this is, it doesn't get any easier. It doesn't get any easier. It never gets any easier. <laughs> Uh, the challenges are different, though. Like, there's different. It's different. Yes, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, our challenges this week, we started potty training. Oh, boy. Yeah, so we did the, the three-day potty training boot camp. For any non-parents listening, it's like a semi-common potty training method to do this weekend-long potty training boot camp. And uh, so there's been a lot of a lot of pee and poop, a lot of pee and poop around the uh, household around here. <laughs> it's been awesome. Um, but Jay did say something really cute the other day when I asked him to come with me into the bedroom. He said, Mom, whenever you ask me to go somewhere, we're always just going to the laundry room. <laughs> Which I have to ask, this is a little bit of a tangent already. You said something last week that I just breezed or at, on the last episode that I just breezed right by and it didn't even fully hit me until I was editing the podcast. Do you really have laundry folding time? Like, do you have a set aside time during the day that is laundry time? Oh, it's not like 
in my calendar, but I do have like times that I'm usually folding laundry. Maybe it's because of all the peeing and pooping. I'm just buried in laundry right now. (laughs) Yeah, I try try to get it done during the day because like by the time my kids are in bed, I just don't have energy for anything except podcasting or like (laughs) reading or watching an adult show. (laughs) Or wine drinking. Yeah. How do you do it without your kids trying to help? Well, they can actually help a little bit. Like, they can put their own laundry away. So it does get better, Mm -hmm. Katie. It gets better. (laughs) Oh, well. A day to look forward to. (laughs) Have there been any changes to your screen time policy lately? No. We're still just having screen time on the weekends. um, But we're going out of town to see my parents. And so we checked out a bunch of DVDs for the van ride there so Mm -hmm. my kids are really excited to watch Captain Underpants for like the 35th time (laughs) that's the only movie they ever want to watch when it's family movie night right now oh man so how many times have you seen it a couple a couple I I stopped paying attention how about you any changes um not really we've been we've been on a pretty even keel with screen time I feel like we've tapered off from the craziness of immediate moving and so we've gone back to like just the half an hour to an hour in the evening right before bed it's getting a little harder to pull him away Mm -hmm. so I'm wondering if we need to make some adjustments on that front but I'm just too exhausted to make any changes to anything right now yeah (laughs) yeah um should we move on to the main event horrid Henry oh my gosh I am so excited to talk to you about this (laughs) Um, so Horrid Henry is aptly named. It follows a kid named Henry who is just absolutely horrid. Bad manners. He's naughty. He's devious. Yeah. Horrid is the best way to describe him. Um, Mm -hmm. this is a British show. There are four seasons that were made in the UK and there's one available on Netflix, but it's lots and lots of episodes because they're pretty short. They're like around 10 to 12 minutes long. And it's based on a book series by Francesca Simon, who is an American author living in London. There are 45 user reviews on Netflix, and the vast majority gave it one star. Uh, Netflix also has the movie called Horrid Henry, but we did not watch it. And we picked it because a Facebook friend of mine posted something that was like, Horrid Henry is worse than Caillou, if you can believe that. And so (laughs) we took that as a challenge. So we're going to count this as our first recommendation. So listeners, if you have a show that you'd like us to watch and just hear a discussion about, let us know. Yeah, and this is a good opportunity to say you don't have to only recommend the things that you've seen and liked you can recommend things that you've seen and Mm -hmm. hated you can recommend things that you haven't seen and you're just curious about we're not picky we're just looking for a watch list (laughs) yeah (laughs) um so what did we watch we watched um and these are all from the first season on netflix episode one horrid henry's hike episode nine horrid henry's christmas and episode 44 horrid henry's horrid hamster So we'll go through the episodes one by one, and then we'll move on to more general thoughts about the show. 
So I have to say just really quick before I do my summary of the pilot episode, sometimes when we're watching a show and you can tell that like there are half segments that may have aired as a full half an hour, instead of just watching three, we'll watch six just because we figure it's the same amount of time invested and we did not do that in this case and I am so glad. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Me too. I was right, pleasantly so, surprised to discover that I just had to spend 30 minutes with Horrid Henry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So season one, episode one was Horrid Henry's hike. And the basic plot was that Henry's parents forced him to go on a hike in the country instead of stay home and watch his favorite TV show, which as a premise, I could kind of relate to up front because given the choice between hiking in the country and watching my favorite TV show, I know which side of that fence I would land on. Spoiler, it's the TV side. Um, So Henry does everything he can to shorten the hike so they can go home. And these charming tactics include... Dipping his brother's binoculars into cow dung. He convinces his little brother, Peter, to climb up a tree and try and get at a hornet's nest or a wasp's nest, which is potentially lethal. Like this tiny child. Well, whatever. It was awful. So mean. So finally, he lets a bull out of its pen to chase the family so they'll get to the lake faster. And... For a split second, he seems to realize that they're in actual peril. So the bull chases them to the lake. They all get colds and have to go home, where Henry's mom encourages him to just rest and sit and watch his favorite TV show, which is what he wanted all along. And that is the plot of this gem. What did you think? (laughs) (laughs) Horrid Henry was really horrid. Mm -hmm. Um. My first thought was during the theme song, which I liked. I thought it was like of Alexander and the Horrible No Good Very Bad Day ripoff. Mm-hmm. Like where Alexander, he's a nice kid. He just makes some mistakes and learns right, right. from his mistakes and feels bad about it. But Horrid right. Henry is a psychopath. Yeah, there's no remorse, and it's just constant bad behavior. Maybe the word is sociopath, but he's he has, like, no concept of right or wrong, it seems like. Not that his family seems to be doing very much to try and correct his behavior. I guess I didn't really explain the family dynamics. So it's, it's Henry, the older brother, and he has a little brother called Peter, who is, like, the ultimate goody two-shoes. Mm-hmm. And then a mom and a dad. And... The mom seems to have just like checked out of parenting altogether because all she does is run in and be like, Henry, don't be horrid. Right. And that's like her only reaction. Right. And dad just seems totally clueless. Yeah. Um, it made me think of the mom in um, We Need to Talk About Kevin. Did you ever yes. read that? Oh my gosh. This <laughs> is further. Yeah. I When we go through okay. the uh, the gritty HBO reboot. Yes, it totally reminded me of that. Okay, we'll get to that. (laughs) (laughs) So much. (laughs) Do you have any other thoughts uh, immediately related to the pilot episode? Some of the dialogue was really delightfully British. Like, they're (laughs) in the parking lot and the dad 
is convincing Henry to get out of the car and go for the hike. And then he says, every step I take is 5p off your pocket money until you catch up. And that <laughs> motivates Henry to get out of the car. And I was like, oh, pocket money, 5p. See, I was totally prepared to like this yeah. because I am a self-confessed Anglophile. Mm -hmm. I wanted to like it. It didn't help. <laughs> Should we move on to episode nine? Sure. So this is Horrid Henry's Christmas. And it begins in a department store where Henry's family goes to see department store Santa. And Henry's list is predictably epic. He wants so many things. Um, and then his brother Peter brings Santa a present for Santa. And then Peter asks Santa for a dictionary, <laughs> seeds, geometry kit, stamps and then he follows it up with no toys please i have plenty <laughs> so henry so henry is horrid but peter is also awful he's in <laughs> insufferably angelic yeah yeah and then um cousin steve and his mother who henry despises for his wealth and privilege comes for christmas and all three boys go out to play in the yard um Steve and Henry get into it like a big fight while they're competing over building snowmen. Meanwhile, Peter is chiseling an angel <laughs> sculpture out of ice. <laughs> Steve and Henry um, are feuding, and then Steve, the cousin, breaks Peter's angel, and Henry, like, Looks like he's going to defend Peter, but then he says, he's my brother, so I get to break it. And they demolish <laughs> the angel. <laughs> and then, um, like, in the middle of the night, Henry sneaks down and, like, switches all the tags on the presents because he wants to get what Steve is getting from Santa. And it confuses everybody on Christmas morning. And nobody really ends up with what they want. Except Henry ends up with the present that he wanted which is this horrible present as a parent I couldn't believe this thing actually exists or that any parent even a super rich parent would buy it for their kids the galactic goo shooter right it essentially just like shoots green gunge all over everything in a way that looks really difficult to clean up yeah terrible present I thought of you and your aversion to glitter when I saw it <laughs> Also, have you seen Thinking Putty in stores? No, it's not. That's not the sand stuff, is it? No, this is something different. It's like kind of like Silly Putty, only stickier. And you're just supposed to like okay. work it with your fingers like a, one of those stress balls. And uh -huh. my kids got some as like a trinket in a gift bag. And it um, stained one of our like our basement couch, which is a throwaway couch anyway. Not a big deal, but thinking putty is not allowed in our house anymore. Ugh, yeah. yeah. Stick to silly putty. That stuff bounces. Right, right, right. So what did you think of the Christmas episode? I thought there were really funny moments, um, which I've highlighted already. I thought there was definitely <laughs> some humor to it. It has no... I mean, it's like the opposite of like... A, story, a fable, a story with a moral. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because if ever there were an episode where Henry was going to redeem himself, it would be the Christmas episode, wouldn't it? Right, right. And he does not. And, I mean, if this show's 
this show were more like Alexander, as you were talking about before, they would want us to be on Henry's side and it would make the whole Peter being insufferable more appealing. Like it doesn't really offset Henry's horridness. Mm hmm. But it, but it totally could with just a couple tweaks to the character. Do you want to move on to episode 44? All right. So episode 44 was Horrid Henry's Horrid Hamster. And so, okay. <laughs> so Henry is stuck on what to bring for show and tell. So he brings his hamster, Fang, who is just as horrid as Henry. We are introduced to Fang when he's like literally gnawing on Henry's finger, which is something that I guess Henry encourages. Um, so Henry takes Fang to school just like in his pocket because he's a kid. And Fang escapes his pocket and wreaks havoc in general at the school. The administrators all think it's a rat and they chase him around the school while Henry follows trying to rescue him. Ultimately, he gets into the cafeteria and causes a mass panic where the administrators succeed in chasing Fang into a cage, but Henry starts a food fight as a distraction and ultimately rescues Fang, who says thank you by savagely biting Henry's finger. <laughs> and that's about it. <laughs> And I, my first question upon watching this episode is knowing that you are not in general a pet family, where do you stand on hamsters as pets? I don't want one. <laughs> I, I don't want one. I don't want anything like that lives in a cage. Okay. So if your kids were ever like super nagging you about getting a dog to the point where you felt like you were going insane and you had to give them something, you wouldn't resort to a hamster, which is, I feel like, the only reason people buy hamsters. Yeah, no, I feel like I'm. we're not going to get like a consolation prize pet. Yeah. You'll just give in someday? Probably. I had a roommate in college who had a guinea pig and it was just so stinky. And they're just, I mean, they're rodents. Not my favorite. Yeah, agreed. Um, What did, can you remind me? I didn't take very good notes. What did Peter bring for show and tell? Um, oh, his uh, dried flower press. Oh, that's right. That's right. Solid choice. Um, <laughs> I did think that it was funny that Henry had like, the so Peter's teacher was young and pretty and really nice and then Henry had this teacher who was like wizened and crabby and unattractive and shrill and I thought that was kind of funny I'm thinking about my own like elementary school experience and I kind of think that's a little bit how it goes mm -hmm. because you have like their young energetic teachers in kindergarten and first grade or I guess even if they're older they have like a general like chipper demeanor mm -hmm. and I definitely they definitely got crabbier as I got older <laughs> um I had a substitute I didn't have any mean elementary school teachers but we had a substitute who was pretty ancient and was just from a different era and she would walk around the room and if you were like making a noise out of turn or misbehaving her in any way she would like wrap her knuckles on the top of your head I'm glad she didn't get out her ruler. <laughs> and it was it was like 1986. It wasn't like 1956. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and it hurt. It hurt. But 
it only had to have it happen once and then you didn't mess around again. That's the idea behind corporal punishment, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> again, Henry's teacher, like, that was another instance where, oh, if they had just tried a little harder to make Henry sympathetic, you could have felt bad for him because even his teacher was like, ugh, you're horrid. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. No one's no one's trying to help Henry anymore, but turns out he doesn't really deserve it. Right. So general thoughts on the show. Um, I'm curious. I would just like to explore the Henry and Peter dynamic a little more. So you mm-hmm. had four kids in your family. So it's different than when there's just two. But were you like the compliant child or were you the naughty child? Oh, I was definitely the compliant child because I am the second middle child. Mm -hmm. And the middle child has a reputation for rebellion. Mm -hmm. And my older sister, the first middle child, totally did that. So then there was like nothing left for me. So I was just the boring one. (laughs) (laughs) How about you? Because you just have your brother. Yeah. And he was um, definitely got in trouble way more than I did. Um, Mm -hmm. Were you chiseling angels? I was definitely more agreeable, but I don't think he was, I don't think I was like good and he was naughty. I think I was just more quietly subversive (laughs) (laughs) and he was like loudly defiant. I like that. Um, It would totally suck to grow up with Peter for a brother. Like he seemed genuinely, well, we've said it before, insufferable. I just... Oh, it would have been so easy to make us sympathetic towards Henry, and they just chose not to, and I don't understand why, much like I don't understand the appeal of the anti-hero in general. Well, We've talked about this before. If there's not a character I can root for, I'm just not there for it. Is this maybe, a, this might just be a distinction between like British children's television and American children's television, and so the New York times just ran an article about some playgrounds in England being built like unsafe on purpose because so there's a backlash against like safe playgrounds because um, traditionally like the British have been very um, hard, you know, hardy and like they're worried that the nanny state is like coddling the children too much. So now they're building playgrounds Mm -hmm. that just have like loose bricks and like, two by four slings of glass sticking up everywhere <laughs> and kids are supposed to figure out what's safe and unsafe on their own and i i don't know maybe children's television maybe we're just used to children's television being like way more saccharine yeah i don't know i do british people or british kids like really enjoy horrid henry they might I mean, the the books, at least, are crazy popular. Like, they've won awards. I've not read any of them, so I don't know if Henry is as horrid in the books as he is in the show. But you're right. Maybe it is just a major cultural difference in expectation. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. The only other British show we've watched is Peppa, right? Right. And we kind of got a similar sense from her. Like, she was pretty bratty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm interested. Maybe we need to seek out some more British shows to see if this is like a through line. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think so. Plus, I love the accents. So one is bound to be a hit eventually. Um, 
this is jumping ahead a little bit to the animation style, but I loved how everybody had ruddy cheeks and noses, just like <laughs> white people in England do. Naturally. <laughs> I, I enjoyed yes. that. In that sense, it was very accurate. I also felt like they did a pretty good job of representing different regional British accents. Like, all of their voices didn't sound the same. Mm-hmm. It seemed like, particularly with the teachers in the school, you had people from a bunch of different places there, mm-hmm. which I thought was nice. Yeah. It did make me wonder if, like, I'm inclined to cut British products more slack because I like the way they sound. Like, I was thinking about how I watched the entire series run of Downton Abbey, even though it became pretty darn bad towards the end. Okay. Like, I had to stick it out. Whereas... I'm not generally a completist. Like, I've let shows go before, and I don't feel too much remorse about it. Would I have stuck with it as long if they were all running around with American accents? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> Some combination of the accents and the clothes, probably in that case. Mm-hmm. Um. So you said that you liked the theme music. I did like the theme music, and I also liked the score mm-hmm. of the show. Did you notice... So it's like an orchestral score, but then whenever Henry is, um, whenever Henry is like the main uh, source of the action, then there's like an electric guitar that's like, meh, 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 meh. like I did not notice that. that like he's gonna be up to no good or he's being naughty. <laughs> um, and then Peter was always accompanied by like like an upbeat cello solo. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I noticed this mostly in the Christmas episode because it seemed like whenever Cousin Steve was in the picture, then there would be like a bassoon kind of uh, ne'er-do-well bassoon line. So I thought that the uh-huh. music, I thought that the score was really well done. I like that. Yeah. I can't believe that I missed it, but it must have been so well done that it just flowed over me as it was meant to. Yeah, it reminded <laughs> me of, um, did you ever watch the series Little Bear? Like based on the books, very a very little bit because it was on in our childhood, right? This was of our. I'm not sure. I want to say it's from like the 90s. Mm. Um, I recorded a bunch of episodes when um Tony was little, and we watched them because he liked the books, and the music was like mm. just beautiful, like chamber or symphony music in the background. So it kind of reminded mm. me of that. Yeah, that's really interesting. I was not paying enough attention. I was just filled with hatred for the whole endeavor. (laughs) (laughs) Understandable. We can go back to, we need to talk about Kevin now, I guess. What adult movie or TV show would you compare this to? Yeah, well, let's talk about, we need to talk about Kevin. So for people who haven't, and it's a movie, right? Based on a book. I have not seen the movie. I've only read the book. I've only read the book, too. So Lionel Shriver wrote the book, and it's, ooh, she's a really good author most of the time. And it's pretty much inspired by the events of Columbine. And it's told from the perspective of the mother who ends up raising a kid that she knows is kind of off. And he ends up committing, like, these really horribly violent acts. I won't spoil it. It's a good book, but it's disturbing. When did you read it? Did you already have kids? Yeah, I read it when Tony was like a baby. <laughs> and I told our friend. Were you terrified at all? I told afterwards? our friend Leah that, and she was like, What the hell are you 
thinking. <laughs> yeah, you walked into that one. It's not like you didn't see the plot synopsis. <laughs> Uh, so maybe not the best time to read it, but I, I thought it was really a good book. Yeah, it was really affecting. Like, well, it was terrifying. It was, it was really scary. Like, this, this woman had all of these feelings and intimations about what was wrong with her son, and yet there was essentially no recourse mm-hmm. for her. And he was an expert manipulator from the beginning, which Henry is not. He's not an expert manipulator. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like in that book, like, I think the dad was more wanting to intervene and the mother was a little more emotionally removed. The only thing I remember was the dad, the dad was more easily played by yeah. by by Henry, by Kevin, though, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I still think about that book sometimes. Like, it, it creeps me out. Like, what would you... Ugh. I don't know. The movie, I didn't see just because I felt like it was enough to be terrified once and I didn't need to go through that again, even though it's starring Tilda Swinton, who I really love. Yeah, I have no interest in seeing the movie, having read the book. I know how it turns out and it's awful. Yeah, that's <sighs> Um, So that, I think, was an obvious comparison that we both reached for. Mm-hmm. I also thought about Bad Santa. You know, I've never seen that. Oh, really? It's no. so funny because <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton plays department store Santa, who's like a criminal, like he's a criminal. He's terrible. He's everything that Santa is not like he's skinny. He's like a heavy smoker, heavy drinker, petty thief. Does he learn the true meaning of Christmas? <clears throat> but you do kind of root for him because he does mm-hmm. take like a, like a child under his wing and he is like nice to his girlfriend kind of so he has some redeemable qualities whereas you just need that one hook yes yeah and henry has nothing yeah yeah i mean it made me think of all those other very popular in the early aughts and you know moving forward shows where it's like every prestige television show had to be about an anti-hero and I bit off on it, and I started them all, and I did not finish any of them. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Breaking Bad. Sorry, Sopranos. Sorry, Boardwalk Empire. No, no, no. I just, I'm not interested in that sort of character as a protagonist. Like, you need to give me something about them that is redeemable. Oh. And I, you don't need to argue with me about Tony Soprano. I know there were layers there. I just wasn't interested in sticking around long enough to find it. Breaking Bad is a good one. Walter White, Walter White is a good comparison to Horrid Henry because he's he's similarly awful. Um, you know what? This you listing all those shows also makes me think of um, Sawyer from Lost. Remember him? And you find out that he's just like a con man running mm-hmm. a long con, and which is kind of disappointing. But like he's so handsome that mm-hmm. I guess that's maybe his redeemable quality. <laughs> No, but then they try to make him nice. They give him a whole romance with Kate mm-hmm. and and then with Juliet at the end. I mean, I was really invested in the whole Sawyer-Juliet thing mm-hmm. because I made it to the end of Lost, all the way to the end of Lost. <laughs> yeah, that was a super disappointing end to a show. That may be one of the worst. <sighs> um, so did you cast the gritty HBO reboot? 
I would like to see somebody like Glenn Close. I mean, she's so good at playing villains. That's kind of mm-hmm. not a stretch for her, but I would like to see something where she's like the evil sister and then Diane Weist. Is that how you say her name? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like I so... think, is it Weist? I don't know. I just think of Diane Weist in um, Searching for Bobby Fisher, where she plays like mm-hmm. the teacher and she's like so soft spoken and gentle, like that version of Diane Weist. Mm-hmm. Well, she was like the mom in like every iconic 80s movie. Wasn't she the mom in Lost Boys? I'm not sure, but she was in Edward Scissorhands, wasn't she? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that same, like, sort of just relentlessly chipper attitude. Yeah, that's a good pick. That's funny, because I had also written down a comedy about adult siblings where only one's accomplishments are recognized and celebrated. (laughs) (laughs) So do you think that Horrid Henry is um, just a riff on the prodigal son, like the biblical story? You're going to have to refresh my memory because the only thing I know being a bad student of the Bible is the phrase that everyone says, whoa, ho, ho, the prodigal son returns. That's all I got. Well, let's see how I do with this. Um, <laughs> so there's like a father and he gives each of his sons like their share of his, he gives them their inheritance basically. And like the, uh, older son like takes off and they don't see him for a long time and he totally squanders it like he gambles and um loses his inheritance and ends up destitute and is doing like who knows what and then the younger son like very wisely invests and works with his father on i i don't know like i want i want to say ranch but like that's not the word they use in the bible (laughs) And then the prodigal son returns and the father like welcomes him and throws him a party. And the younger son is understandably miffed because he's been there all along and the dad has never thrown him a party. And it's like an allegory for like God's love for his followers and God loves you no matter what, even if you squander what he's given you and go off and sin for years and years, like you can come back and he'll still love you so is the idea that the prodigal son has reformed or like you can still be a total jerk i think he because if that's the case then i think horrid henry yes but i think he comes back and he like prostrates himself in front of his father and asks for forgiveness so horrid henry's not exactly there yet but you're right that is a trope that's everywhere in a ton of tv and movies Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i mean the first thing that came to mind when you started telling it was the a young brad pitt in legends of the fall yeah yeah totally (laughs) (laughs) so if the horrid henry gritty hbo reboot was starring someone like a young brad pitt i might bite the bullet and watch it at least for the first couple seasons Mm mm-hmm I also thought it would be cool to do a gritty HBO version starring just one of those creepy children from a horror movie. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even have to say any any of them. I just wouldn't watch it. <laughs> creepy children from horror movies are so creepy. I know. That's the point. So I thought they would make maybe a good Horrid Henry. 
Yeah, they totally would. Or um, we'll just up the intensity level. Or Carl from Walking um, the Walking Dead. <laughs> oh, poor Carl! I it's hate not that his kid. Fault. <laughs> <laughs> Are you all caught up? No, not at all. I stopped watching when it was that um, really horrible character Tegan. Is that his name? Oh, yeah. Negan. 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 We have stuck with it. So we are all caught up. And they were recently showing some montages of like the early days of the show. And that kid was super young when the show started. And yeah, he was insufferable and doing lots of stupid stuff that you wouldn't want your kid doing during the zombie apocalypse. Right. So do you think? Oh, go ahead. I think we're going to ask the same thing. So you can go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to guess no. I don't think you would ever watch this alone voluntarily voluntarily because I definitely would never watch this voluntarily. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I'm yeah. That's a strong no. (laughs) Which leads into 10 seconds on whether this is good for our kids. I actually did watch this with my five-year-olds and after each episode, they were just like thrilled to be watching TV on a Monday (laughs) (laughs) outside of the regular screen time weekend situation and after each episode I was like isn't Henry naughty and they agreed that he was really bad and they would never be like Henry but I think maybe this is just my Americanist showing but I don't think it's good for kids to watch yeah I agree and again maybe this is because we're coming from the perspective of parents and we're obviously concerned about not raising our kids to be little jerks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I actually watched this with Jay, too, um, <laughs> for the first time ever. And I mean ever in Jay's life. He was like, Mommy, I don't want to watch this. Oh! <laughs> like, every time we got to a new episode, he'd be like, Mommy, I don't want to watch this. <laughs> oh. You're like, I have to watch it for my podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Even a screen time starved two and a half year olds did not care for Horrid Henry. That's funny. (laughs) So how many stars would you give this on our rating system? I'd still probably give it a three. I mean, it's the character Henry is horrible, but I thought like I liked the animation. I liked the music. I liked the accents. Like, I think it's still a well done show. Wow. Zero. Zero stars. <laughs> um, well, do you have any other thoughts on Horrid Henry? I don't. I think we co- I think we covered it. All right, friends. Thanks for listening. Oh, wow. I sounded like a preschool teacher just then. Okay, friends. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of It's My Screen Time 2. Please take a minute to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you can find us on Facebook to continue the conversation at facebook.com slash myscreentime2. And that is also where you'll find out what we're covering in our next episode. If you want to watch along with us, that is when I have my act together enough to post it early, which I promise I will try to do more often. You can also tweet us with show or movie suggestions or general comments at, at myscreentime2. Or you can email us at myscreentime2 at gmail.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Deborah and her adorable children, and our podcast is produced by me, Katie. Tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and TV beloved by kids and tolerated by parents. Bye! Bye. Bye. I will 
let you know that I have both animals in the room with me as I'm recording. So if there are strange noises, it's not me, I swear. 